Welcome to the Business Trendsetter Podcast, where we talk about trends and how to grow your business. My name is Manny Turan. And I'm Adam Hartung. We are Spark Partners. We are dedicated to helping you grow your business by understanding trends, understanding your customers, and just plainly opening your eyes. You know, we're here. Uh, we just had the uh, first day of fall last week, and uh, a lot of people are getting ready for this holiday season. And before you know it, you've got this momentum that's carrying you through to the end of the year. Uh, some companies even shut down between, practically shut down between uh, Thanksgiving and the first of the year. So it, this is really, uh, you know, we talk about planning a lot, right, Adam? And uh, lots of companies don't do it. They just put it off. They see these world events happening and they struggle with, you know, why, why even plan? If something's going to happen to derail you. Uh, but right now, I'm going to tell, I'm going to just draw a line in the sand and, and say, look, listen, if you're not preparing for, for next year, 2023 and beyond today, then right now, this is the, the time to do so. Because the best time to plant a tree is when? It's always time to plan. And the best time to plan for the future is yesterday. Indeed. All right, Adam. So what are your thoughts on? What can companies be doing right now in light of all these global events, in light of, of uh, you know, coming off the heels of the pandemic, of inflation, of foreign wars, of interest rates going crazy? I mean, can we really plan? <laughs> well, I'm glad you bring that up. So, you know, Manny, that I've been a Vistage speaker for 15 years, probably more. And that gives me access to meet with a lot of small and mid-sized business leaders. I also give um, uh, keynote addresses at workshops and I do offsite meetings. Um, and recently I did, you know, a, a series, a couple of uh, uh, keynotes for people in the water industry, uh, water utilities. And, and, I, and I've been thinking about this over the last week that if you went back prior to the pandemic, we were trying to get people thinking about growth, the purpose of growth, the need for growth. And, and a lot of people had shifted away from the mindset of the recession of 2008 to 2010. And they were really, you know, in the late teens coming into this notion, hey, you know what, you know, I think Adam's there. I think that we do need to really think about growth and seeing where the opportunities are and recognizing that we get stuck in the past. Then the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, you know, March of uh, 2020, what saw happen was initially a lot of people sort of stopped, but then there was things went one of two ways. Either people saw their business take off and grow in a big way. There was sort of like result of the pandemic, things got better for them, or they found themselves stalled and they didn't think they could do anything about it. And I started to see a reduction in planning that it was kind of like, I can ride the wave, you know, I can just ride the growth wave. Uh, I, and, uh, you know, I might say to them, well, you were lucky to be in the right place at the right time. The wave's not going to last forever. And, but there was still this sense of I'm in the right spot. And, or if I'm in the wrong spot, it was sort of like, I don't know how to get to the right spot easily. And, and I'm not sure if I should actually invest in it. I'm still, I'm scared and I don't want to plan. So both sides are kind of like, oh, I'm not sure that I want to plan. So we go through the pandemic. We're coming out of the pandemic and what happens? Well, we get a war in the Ukraine and simultaneously we get this big supply chain disruption, right? People woke up and they said, oh my goodness, as the pandemic is ending, I need parts. I need uh, raw materials. I need supplies. And they start to realize that, oh, we were very heavily dependent upon uh, China and other parts of Asia. And uh, people had shut down differently around the world. People were treating the pandemic differently around the world. And as a result, their old supply chains of this is the phone call I make to get the widget 
That's a phone call often either didn't get them a widget or they got told, hey, you're not going to get a widget for nine months. And they're sort of like, wait a minute, I'm all ready to get back in business. I'm ready to grow. So then we have the supply chain disruption. And then simultaneously, as I said, unfortunately, the Russians decide that they're going to invade the Ukraine. And so now what we have is people saying, hey, I'm not sure it's worth planning. That's not worth planning now because look at these things that happen. You know, I was all set. I was going like crazy in the pandemic, and now my business is starting to, you know, get hampered by the supply chain. And I don't understand why. I don't feel like I have control over it. And gosh, is planning worth anything? And then, as if everybody isn't unsettled enough, Jerome Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, decides he's going to radically, dramatically change his approach to interest rates. After, you know, a decade of near zero interest rates, a lot of calm, a lot of, you know, okay, hey, you know, we can go about our business. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, inflation is 8%, 8 9%, and I as head of the Federal Reserve, I'm going to take on the global position of killing inflation, and so we're going to ratchet up interest rates. So interest rates go from nothing at the Federal Reserve level, you know, that, that's the interest-free, risk-free loan, the ones the Federal Reserve does, you know, treasury bonds, go from sort of a zero to negative yield to three and a half, 3.75, 4%. They're talking about maybe even going to 5%. And once again, people are like, oh, just another one of those things that tell me that planning is a waste of time, that I don't need to do any planning. And so I, I really sensed as I've gone in and talked with people that their, their view is that it's in, in the last three years, people are doing less planning now than they were before the pandemic, that these world events have caused them to say, well, I don't really think I need to plan. And I'm really feeling like I want to grab folks by the throat sometimes and say, wait a minute, that's the opposite of the way you should be thinking. You know, we were talking before the pandemic that things happen quickly. You know, if you, you, you know that we talk all the time about how disruptions happen and that they're coming punctuated equilibriums with periods of dramatic change that happen in a short timeline. And so I'm always telling people, are you ready for these punctuated equilibriums? Are you looking around the world? What are the trends and how could they change? And what are your risks and what are your opportunities? And what I discovered is people kind of enjoyed my talk and they enjoyed me talking about how a punctuated equilibrium could hurt a, a Kodak or or, or another company, uh, but they didn't really start to think about how it could impact them. Yeah. And now they're sitting there kind of living amidst these punctuated equilibriums. You know, we'll go all these years without uh, the kind of war that the Russian war is. You know, it's a much bigger war than what we've been seeing in other parts of the world. It's affecting a lot of people in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, very directly. We now, from last week, we now have Putin threatening to use nuclear arms. Um, so that's, it's kind of like, these big events that are happening, could I have really prepared for those? And I think the answer was yes. You know, it still remains yes. And the reality is, is that if you don't plan for 2023 and 2024, you're, you're going to feel even worse. You know, I, I, I want to use this analogy of saying, do you want to be the ball in the pinball machine or do you want to be the operator? You know, right. you can't specifically target where the ball is always going to go in a pinball machine because there's lots of obstacles out there and it can bounce in different directions. So you can, but you can generally set the direction and you can generally be prepared to use your flippers in order to keep the yeah. ball in play the way you'd like. But if you don't do anything and you just stand there, then the ball is going to fall to the bottom, right? Yeah. And it's going to be gone. And, you know, if you're in the middle out there thinking that you're competing, but in fact you don't have a plan, then you are the ball. And you're just bouncing around from flippers to to uh, the, the obstacles. 
in a random that's, way. That's a fantastic analogy. And I think there's so many businesses right now that have that deer in the headlights. They're the ball just being bounced around. And I think that if you want to be competitive, if you want to be a head and shoulder above your competitors, I think you absolutely need to plan. You got to put your framework down. You have to look at the trends. You got to look at what the, your customers are doing. Plan. And yeah, sure, things will come into play. You know, we could have a random tsunami. We could have something come up out of nowhere. But nonetheless, like you said, Adam, the others that are just bouncing around are going to be left behind and fall to the bottom. Well, at least you've got some direction, some momentum taking you to that next level. So let's go at some of these issues. One of the first ones we're going to talk about are, 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 is inflation and interest rates. Okay. And the inflation is caused because we shut down the supply chains. When we shut down the supply chains, we took people off the workforce. We had people, you know, passive. And then we decided, okay, let's get going again. The people are ready to go to the store and buy things. People are ready to buy equipment. And, of course, it costs more because, you know, the factories weren't there. The factories weren't in production. They didn't have the people hired. So they have to regen, get themselves back going again. That requires money. You know, some guy shut his plant down to reopen his plant. He's got to get orders. He's got to get cash. He's got to get it going again. And I guess there was some expectation on the part of politicians and people in the Federal Reserve that getting it going again would be flip a switch in the last three months. And, you know, that was unrealistic and, in fact, foolish. The reality was anybody with any uh, business experience would know that ginning that back up, getting it going again, was going to be a year and a half to two years. And that was, you know, just being realistic about all these differences in terms of how the pandemic was handled in China, in India, in Brazil, in these other countries, and realizing that we wouldn't be able to get things back online that quickly. So that meant we're going to have supply chain issues. The supply chain issues is what created the inflation. Now that's caused the domino to fall of the Federal Reserve raising the interest rates to try to control inflation. And that's causing the next domino to fall, which is the dollar is getting very, very strong relative to the other currencies of the world. And so now we have another reason for having inflation. And that is that 40% of all the transactions in the world, 40% of the global economy is done in dollars. So you have euros, you have yen, you have the Chinese one, you have all these currencies, you know, the Brazilian real. And you would sit there and think, okay, let's look at the size of the population and let's look at how the um, how business is done. And, and you mind would try to tie it probably to population, but it doesn't work that way. The, the reserve currency of the world is first and foremost the U.S. dollar. And second, it's it's the euro. So what we're seeing is that whenever you take the dollar and you raise interest rates, then you strengthen the dollar. Now what happens is somebody who's living in France is now paying more for goods that come from India or from Brazil because the transactions are in dollars and euros that are pegged to the dollar. And so all around the world, people are seeing the prices of things jump in other parts of the world much worse than the United States. We're seeing prices go up 8 9%. In some of these places, they're talking 30% that the prices have gone up because they have the supply chain inequities having to fight, pay more to get goods, but then coupled with having to pay for it in dollars, then the dollar has become so strong. You know, the, the dollar and the euro are just about even right now. It hasn't been like that since 1985. Um, the British pound and the dollar are just about equal. Again, we haven't seen those sorts of pricing of the dollar since 1985. So it's time to now look at that and say, well, what's going to happen? The Federal Reserve has already said they're not going to stop. We know that getting the supply chain back up is going to take another year, year and a half. It's going to be slower to happen now 
much slower because of all of this uh, high interest rates. You know, business people don't have free money, so they got to go pay interest. They got to pay more for the product. So what Jerome Powell has managed to do is by fighting inflation in the United States, he's creating global inflation outside of the United States, and he's putting huge dampers on economic development in these other countries. He's making it harder and harder for them to get back into business. So if you're in, in Brazil or Italy, we used to talk about the BRIC countries. You know, those were the ones that were just below developed but not undeveloped, and that was Brazil, Russia, uh, India, and China. BRIC, the BRIC countries. Yeah. Well, look at what's happened. You got Russia now, the economy devastated by this war, you know, conscripts coming in. There's a, you know, there's, there's days and days of people lined up on the border trying to get out of Russia, trying to get away. You've got Brazil, whose economy has been collapsing under an authoritarian leader who's not, uh, not put people back to work, took a lot of chances during the pandemic. You got India, same thing, and China. So the three, all four of these countries have become countries that are run by much more authoritarian leaders and the uh, the 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 business people are not in a position to act independently the way they did and they're facing much higher costs yeah. So what we can do is we can look at this and say, what do we expect in the future? I would expect a much slower improvement in the supply chain than we even thought three months ago. It's going to take longer. Second, the war is going to make it much riskier for people to do international transactions. And so, therefore, there's going to be fewer transactions. There's less trust in China, less trust in India, less trust in Brazil, and no trust in Russia anymore. So that means that's going to slow that down. Mm -hmm. it means we're going to have to expect things to be slower. So as a business person, are you planning for a slower improvement yeah. in getting your materials online? Let, and let if me say you this. Are, it should be. Absolutely. Let me say this. Adam and I are not saying that this is gloom and doom and all the all hell's breaking loose. We're just asking our, our constituents here, our people to listen to our show and watch our show, is just be aware of what's happening. If you're if you're doing a software project where you relied on uh, Eastern European developers and you think that somehow it's going to turn around anytime soon, open your eyes. It's likely not going to turn around. So look for developers somewhere else. Right? This is the kind of planning. So I, I guess Adam, I want to. Let's be, let's think about like the, the brick and mortar, like what can they do today? You know, the rubber meets a road planning of, you know, what's happening around the world. Yeah. Well, so let's come back again. We see some, some things happening in the United States. Like, for example, um, the politicians, the governors of Texas and Florida have gathered up busloads of people and plane loads of people and they're taking them to other locations, you know, New York, Martha's Vineyard, Chicago. And, you know, what we see on the news is largely the politics and the discussion of the politics. But remember, one of the most big underlying themes I've talked about for a decade is demographics and the fact that we don't have enough young people. So right now today, you have Jerome Powell saying that he wants to cool off inflation. He almost says by creating a recession, and he's literally said that he doesn't know how he can cool off inflation until the jobs growth numbers decline. Well, okay, if you're saying I have to take, you know, we're not going to create 150, 250, 300,000 jobs a month like we've been doing, but instead you drive that number to zero, you're going to get a recession. There's no way to avoid that. But the reason that jobs number is so misaligned is we have 11 million, I looked this up, 11.2 million unfilled jobs in the United States today. There are 1.5 million hospitality jobs out there that nobody is doing those jobs. In a real way, you ought to be saying, send me one of those buses. 
Now, like I said, I was recently uh, giving a presentation to people in the water industry in Wisconsin, and I was talking with them, and I said, listen, you have largely a no-growth population state. You haven't been able to get more people to move to the state. Therefore, you have this huge jobs imbalance. There's, there's um, 20,000 people in the unemployment rolls in Wisconsin, and there's 150,000 job openings. Okay, So if you're in a water utility, you can't raise your pay. You can't do more utility. You know, it's a regulated business, a lot of government intervention, that kind of thing. You start saying, send me one of those buses. I, I need those immigrants I, because I have people that have been 30 years in my water district in some uh, town, uh, you know, any town of Wisconsin. Some of those folks are retiring and reaching 50, 55, 60, 65. They say, you know what? I worked 35 years here. I'm going to retire. There's nobody there to fill that job. Yeah. So get one of those buses of immigrants, you know, actively promote, you know, go down, drive your own bus. Or, but, but as long as the people of Florida and Texas are willing to pay for the bus, let them send them up to, to your way. I mean, that's yeah. the kind of creative thinking that we can start to take advantage of the current situation to start saying, wait a minute, I need the population. I have the jobs. I need the population. And let's get those people to work. And then perhaps you even get more aggressive than, than the current situation. But it's, it's, you know, in Vegas, if you're in, if you're in a hospitality oriented location like northern Wisconsin with its resorts, uh, parts of California that have resorts, look at Tucson with wonderful golf and, and Phoenix. You guys have a lot of tourists. We're getting ready to go into the tourist season in a big way. People love to leave the north and spend the holidays in the warm weather. How are we going to staff up our restaurants? You know, San Francisco today, all the, there's, there's strikes going on at the airport. All of the fooderies at the San Francisco airport are closed because the union is striking for higher pay. Okay. Unions didn't have that kind of strength three years ago. They do now because of the demographics. So yeah. are you reaching out and asking for these immigrants? Now, if we can take these things we see happening that look like a problem and start saying, wait a minute, are they a problem or are they an opportunity? Could I bring these people in and put them to work? And then, you know, even to the point of saying if, if all these people are leaving Russia and they're going into Georgia, many of them are English speakers. Some of them are software developers, right? Because they were working for U.S. companies doing code development. Are we reaching out to those Russians and saying, hey, if you can get across the border to Georgia, I'll get you a plane ticket. Let's get you to the United States where you can help me write code because I need the coders and I'm not going to get them otherwise. So let's start to take advantage of that. At the same time, yeah. let's be realistic about the fact that we're not going to see the property plant kind of reemerge. So you, why? Well, because if I got to pay seven or eight or nine percent interest to try to get my plant open again, then it's much tougher for me to do that. So that says what? We've had something like, you know, seven hundred billion dollars allocated through the Jobs Act, the CHIPS Act and the Inflation Reduction Act you know, of, the, of this year. What's happened in 2022? There's hundreds of billions of dollars. Go after that money. Small we'll business people, mid-sized businesses, that tend to sit back and say, I don't know how to get money out of the government. I'm like, okay, don't you have Google on your computer? Like, start figuring out what's been appropriate. Where's the money? Are you calling your congressperson? Are you calling your senator? I don't care if you're left or right. That person works for you. I don't care if you voted for him or you didn't vote for him. That person works for you. Are you on the phone to your governor? Are you saying, how do we get some of that money in here? I can't afford to borrow money at 7% now that Jerome Powell's raised it up. But the government's giving me money to build charges. The, the government and then also, you know, uh, customer money. And we talked about this with respect to, to trends. Um, I'm referencing your, your recent post online about the demographics of these various countries, you know, Japan. One in, one in three is over the age of 65. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, it's just crazy. So how are you getting ready for this demographic shift? And uh, I mean, how are you looking at what's not, not only just 2023, but where are you going to be 2025? Where are you going to be? Where's the world going to be, you know, five, 10 years down the road? If you're aggressive now, think about this. You, what we're saying is the recession is probably a given. Global recession is a given. We know that the economies in these other countries, like especially if you're importing things from Europe or Asia, they're suffering badly due to the strong dollar, the whole interest rate thing. So it starts saying you're going to you don't rely. Don't sit around and wait, relying on somebody else outside of your control. Put your hands on the pinball machine and start saying, wait a minute, how do I get my own stuff? How can I start to build my own stuff? How can I shorten my supply chain? Can I get together with my community leaders in, in, in Phoenix or in Tucson or in Milwaukee or Madison, Wisconsin or wherever you are and start talking about saying, hey, I need this. I need that. Who, who do we know? And how would we get somebody to maybe start making some of this stuff? Or do you know somebody in another state that makes some of this stuff? And can I try to wire it in? Because if you, if you get people doing that today and the United States, then you're going to be able to be com much more competitive than the person who isn't doing it. If they're waiting on those foreign parts, it's going to be tougher for them. You know, it's probably not a good idea right now to be aggressively going after building a plant or anything like that. But you shouldn't have to, again, because the demographics, because of the work from home movement, I would say to people, hey, there's going to be a lot of available real estate out there. People who own real estate tend to leverage it. If they're, if they're going to get suckered now into having to pay mortgage rates that are 6% or 7%, they're not going to build anything new. And so they're going to be really needing to rent out the stuff they have. So are you out there now thinking about how you could be a good renter? How could you get a contract? Maybe you go for a four or five, six year contract right now so that you can lock it in before rates go up and so that you can help that guy get that, um, uh, that, that building off his back and start to get some rent out of it, right? Yeah. Now's the time to kind of take that action. Go out and get the workers, do hiring and robotics. Yeah. Again, I bring this up almost all the time because of the demographic situation. Can you invest in robotics to replace a person yeah, on their job? You know, if somebody's out there operating a machine, can you get a machine that's self-operated? And if, he, if there's none on the market, should you develop it? Could you work with your supplier to develop it? Can you replace it? Yeah, the first one might be expensive, but if you're the first one to have a roboticized element that you can lower your long-term costs or better yet, you can just make the product when your competition can't because they're still reliant on people and they don't have enough people, so they can't get more product out the door. Now, I was reading about um, the housing business is going to go to pot. I mean, it's 7% mortgage rates. We're already seeing people walk away from contracts. There in Phoenix is one of the top markets. Vegas is a top market. People are walking away from contracts because they can afford the home at, at a mortgage of 2.75. They cannot afford the home with a mortgage of 6.75. So people are walking away from the home. So, all right. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, up in Minnesota, I, you know, I've been telling you, I've been working two years on remodeling a home. And this house is in California that I'm remodeling. When I bought some windows, uh, I'll go back to the beginning of summer. I was looking at 28 weeks to get windows delivered. If I wanted to buy them from a company like Pella, which is a big Pella and Anderson, uh, and um, I'm trying to remember the third, there's three big, big manufacturers yeah. of windows that are in, in Minnesota. The unemployment in Minnesota is worse than the one in Wisconsin. They just have no people. So they're telling me, look, they were quoting delivery times on home windows of, of, of 11 months. 
And so, you know, I ended up with a different supplier, but I'm still look, was looking at time I placed the order for many of these things, 24 weeks, 26 weeks to try to get a window delivered. So you start saying, wait a minute, why can't, why, why isn't somebody putting some money into some robotics, automating this, automating yeah. these plants, realizing that we've got to get, and if they don't, if it's a part of the shorts, getting this, the parts yeah. you know, company up and running, you know, find out, are you making calls? What is it that they need at Anderson? And these, the companies that are the shortage of parts, what are the parts? And I'm yeah. not saying our audience is the kind of audience that can go out and open a chip plant tomorrow. I mean, you know, start making uh, semiconductors, uh, but there's a lot of other things. It could be plastic. Yeah. Could be sensors, you know, and other types of componentry that they could get into making. But even then, there's the second and third and fourth tier waves, right? So Phoenix is a good example. They're, they're opening several extremely large plants. Taiwan Semiconductor Company, uh, TSMC, is moving in. Other semiconductor uh, suppliers, tier one, tier two, tier three. So if you're in the Phoenix market, or if you're in these markets that are uh, experiencing growth because of the Jobs Act, because of the Chips Act, then it would behoove you to figure out how to get your business in there. It doesn't always have to be direct. It can also also be, you know, that second and third tier. Um, I, I talk to, and you know, I know you do as well, Adam. You know, companies and entrepreneurs that are that are actively looking how to to grow, They're actively looking how you know how they go to the next level. But then when you present them with the, okay, well, so now what are you going to do? Now that you, you have this mindset and now you're going to actually plan, they fall short. And, and, or even maybe they bring their staff together and they do plan something, but they never execute. So how can we get our, our listeners to actually execute once they have a plan? Yeah, well, again, you don't just plan for the benefit of writing something on the whiteboard or, you know, making some pictures on a PowerPoint slide. You should be doing these plans because you intend to execute them. So you need to have some intention as you start. You need to be saying, as I go down this process of planning, I am going to commit at each step along the way to try to think about how do I change my business? What would I do? How would I make it happen? One of the problems I see with people in business planning processes is they try to sit in a room and they extend it out, say it's a, a three-week or three-month process. We do a lot of discussion, but there's nothing happening in their business. They're not changing anything. It's like, we're going to wait till the plan's done before we make a change. Come on, folks. That's what white space is all about. When you're sitting there and you look around and you see that, hey, maybe I should be investigating making parts for a different kind of a customer, grab somebody by the neck and say, go over and figure out who those customers are and what I'd have to do to get into that business, right? Set up one, two people. That's what the whole white space concept is, is you don't wait. Do some investigating. Get some data that feeds your planning process that starts to say, yeah, I can do this. Um, I was talking to a very bright guy in Wisconsin, and I said, listen, you, you, I know that you're not going to get the mayor of your town or you're not going to get the head of your water authority to make a big commitment to try something new. So I said, think in terms of getting a small commitment to try something new, something really small, you know, like tr trying a, you know, a different way of, of um, purifying the water or delivering it or managing the, you know, the, the, t the towers and cleaning, maintenance, any of those things. You have some clever ideas. Then what I want you to do is go to find six other small towns that will do a similar test so that all of you do, you have six or seven towns that do a similar oriented small test. Some of very affordable for each of you to do. Then whenever you have your next get, get, get together as the state of Wisconsin water people, 
all seven of those people take the results of their tests. I said, each one independently doesn't get far, but all seven of them now collectively start to demonstrate some real information that people can make decisions with. Now that was that industry regulated, all that kind of stuff. But, but that's what I don't see people doing. I don't see people reaching out and saying, Hey, I, I should, I should test this. I'm going to try a different approach. I'm going to try a different way of doing things. You know, you talked about McDonald's where your children go in and they go to a kiosk and they place the order and then they go pick up their food. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, anybody could do that, right? Anybody could do that. And in fact, uh, you know, we see people like uh, the Sonic restaurant chain and uh, uh, there's one that I know in particular, they're saying, hey, if you if you order on the app before you go to the store, we will give you discounts, you know, food discounts, drink discounts, they give you discounts. Well, why are they doing that? They're doing that because if they don't want to have you come in, take a spot, use a human to take the order and then they come deliver it. If they can get all that automated up from the your order up to the point of delivery, and all they have to do is walk out and hand you the order, it better manages their process, better manages their costs. And so they built an app to do that. But yet I see very few people really have reached out in a big way for that. They've, they've really gone out of their way and said, look, I want to try to push people out there to get more automated so that I don't have to hire people. So the order taking process, you know, the ordering process itself, order configuration, there's all kinds of places we could be applying more technology, everything from simply creating an app to having an app that's a learning app, uses machine learning to watch how people place orders to artificial intelligence. And, you know, it all sounds so exotic, but it's not exotic. It's just literally saying, once I get a couple of ideas, let's go grab some people and let's test it. Let's see what works and then start committing as you go through the process. And then document it. Then that's where, you know, you need a tool like our tool, you know, that you can get and you start documenting the steps. Yeah. You can actually start saying, what am I learning? Where am I? And then I'm making these commitments that build out to, uh, you know, to the point that when you start to have to make big decisions, you have confidence in them. There's, there's so many resources right now. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about, I was telling a story the other day about when I was in college, when I had just finished college and um, we didn't have the same resources like we do now. Information was, was there, the internet was there, but it was nowhere near what it is now. Smartphones did not exist. Skype and uh, Zoom and these platforms like what we use here did not exist. It was a much different world. I think right now is there's so so much opportunity for people to to really to take their business and grow it. But it, it you know obviously there's competition. Other people are doing the same. But this is why we have this podcast. This is why we we, we reach out every week here talking about how um, the right mindset coupled with some of the right tools can really get you to that next level. And you know certainly we've got our course Think Innovation. We've got our um, online growth course. We've also partnered with the folks at Futures TV, which are featured on, on Roku TV as well as Apple TV and Futures Radio. I mean, we're really out there uh, spreading the word because we feel as though for the right person with the right mindset and the right muscle, the world's our oyster. Yeah, I mean, nowadays, folks, if you want to start to get your mind into a growth mindset and you've got an Alexa device, you know, an Echo Dot or any of those, just go to Alexa and say, Alexa, I want to listen to Futures Radio. And it'll get you set up, and then you can start listening to our podcast. There's over 100 podcasts out there, and uh, the, the great people at Futures Radio are now pumping those out through the airwaves. So you can listen to those whenever you want. Schedule them. You don't have to wait, like on television, when it comes up. There's a timing for that. Um, 
But get started. And don't think that the world is out of your control. Quit being the ball in the pinball machine and start trying to stand outside, grab the levers. No, you can't control everything the ball's going to do. But you can start to see how it plays and you can keep yourself in the field of play and you can say, oh, now I see how I rack up more points. How, where do, I want to, how do I want this thing to play out for me? And start to make those changes in your business. Because the one thing that's that's happened in the last four years is we have changed a lot. We have learned a lot. Work from home is now the norm, right? We're going to, uh, our, our view of, of, uh, of hospitality is different in terms of ordering food, going, eating in restaurants, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's changed. Our, our, I know now when I go to hotels, nobody comes and cleans the room every day. That You check in and they say that we're going to clean your room if you stay three nights. If you stay less than three, if you want to stay two, you don't get a cleaning. And if you want a cleaning, you got to call us and tell us you want a cleaning, right? The, the things are changing. And, and But take advantage of that. Take advantage of these changes. The, take advantage of how you can use more automation. Take advantage of the positioning you have. And, and, you know, don't fight the Fed. Don't fight the trends. Don't fight the globalization efforts. But make them part of your plan, and then you can start to build on them. Very well said, Adam. And it's, uh, it's well known that the only thing constant is change. Change. <laughs> All right, Adam, have a great week. Thank you for your time. Uh, if you have any questions, reach out to us at manningsparkpartners.com or adamsparkpartners.com. We always welcome a dialogue. With that, uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>